For too many years, families of children with devastating illnesses have felt helpless as they watch their child suffer. Today, they're taking matters into their own hands and finally finding relief treating their child with cannabis. This is One Family's Story. Hi, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Love Love and Cannabis. Cannabis. I am Nina. I'm Osiris. And we are the proud parents of Aiden. Hey everyone, how you guys doing out there? Welcome to another episode. Hope everyone's doing great. Hi everyone, thanks for tuning in. Yeah, we appreciate you. Uh, We've been getting a lot of responses from our podcast as of late. We want to thank everybody for listening in. And for those who have been reaching out, family and friends, thank you. Thank you. We really appreciate the support because it takes a lot to do this. It's not something, you know, people may think it's easy, but it's, uh, you know, it takes some time, especially when you're raising a child and, you know, we have, you know, work schedules and all those things that may interfere, but I feel, we both feel, let me say this, we both feel this is something necessary. So we appreciate you and your time to, you know, sit in and listen in to what we have to share. Yeah. So that being said, this episode, we're going to talk about other things that we did with Aiden outside of the CBD use. It's a laundry list. I tell you that much. <laughs> yeah. We, we do a lot with him and we, we're not afraid to try different things. I think we take it too far sometimes. Maybe. Is, maybe I think I yeah, yeah I, but I realize that we have to because if we leave it to the doctors they'll try it so why not us since we have to be with him every day and we have to be the ones to really really he's here with us so mm-hmm. we we should be the ones to try these experiments that we do we research and we understand we develop and, and the fact that we have such different backgrounds and experiences it helps definitely definitely helps um, I, I think I recall that when I was home with him and um, he was getting physical therapy because when kids have disabilities, you're able to get services like in New York, you pretty much can get the gambit of services available to you. And one of the services, one of the three services I received between physical therapy, speech and occupational therapy, physical therapy, he was getting it at home. So it was like he was a three years old. We'd have a physical therapist come in and work with him. One of the things that he would do was just stretch his legs because at the time he was really tight. What was it like? His hamstrings were tight. His calves, his yeah. um, his uh, what was it? The the Achilles heel mm-hmm. that was a really tight on him. So he would spend a lot of time stretching. So every day he'll come in a half an hour and just stretch his legs, just stretch them. And I'm thinking to myself, but his legs are weak. He really couldn't at the time. He couldn't really walk up and down the stairs really had issues. He would walk on his toes. That was a major issue with us, the fact that he did that. And we ended up getting braces for him, which was really uncomfortable. We felt bad for him. But one of the things that I did since I was home with him is that I helped him learn how to walk up and down the stairs. Mind you, folks, we're in the city. We don't have an elevator. Yeah, we're we're in a fourth walk up. So I counted one day. It was like 40 steps. Yeah, yeah, I think it's even more like 80 Really, is eighty <laughs> double what I just said? Eighty. That's a lot of steps. I gotta okay, count that. Yeah, it's a lot of steps. Well, if and you go steep. up and down, yes. Yeah. If you go up and down, it's eighty. Just eighty steps a day that you yeah. have to, and that does not include getting to the train station, which is about a what thirty seconds to a forty-five seconds walk, and then you're going another two to three flights down those steps. 
So Aiden, we, you know, I had to work with Aiden with that, going up and down the steps to really strengthen up his muscles and his cores and learning how to really walk those flights. Because at the time I was really feeling 100 percent while he was home with me. And so I was like, hey, Aiden, you know, I can't carry you. You're just a big bundle of joy. We got to have you walking up and down the stairs and felt that also that would help him with his physical therapy. One and secondly, it would help him with his strength because things that he was doing early on, he was right on schedule for development. But then after the seizures, everything just seemed to stop and his balance was off. His walking skills were off. You know, even his speech has stopped, really, and which was kind of strange. So it really concerned us and frustrated for me because I'm home with him now. Yeah, it was a scary time when he was having a quite a few seizures, like the days where you have 100 plus seizures a day. My background is physical therapy, and I knew by Aiden not being active, that would be more detriment to his brain. I knew there's something that we had to do in a safe space yeah. to always keep him active when he was having bad days. Yeah, that's kind of hard. Too. And it was very hard. I remember he was having one of his worst days, just constant jerk seizures. I said, okay, what can I do to work his brain, but in a safe space? So I said, okay, I'll put him in the stroller and then I'll bring him to the sandbox. Because I knew. If I remember that. You yeah. said that. You mentioned that in one of our episodes. Yeah. So I said, okay, if he's in the sandbox, at least if he falls, he's, you know, on the sand, I could sit right next to him. But at the same time, he could work his upper body by sitting up well, unsupported. And he could work his arms by, you know, playing with the sand and get some, you know, functional play in. And that's the kind of things, you know, we did. We wanted, despite what was going on, we wanted to somehow keep his, keep him active. Yeah. And physical activity is very important to me and I know the importance of physical activity and brain function mm -hmm. well that was interesting because one of the things when he started like trying to feed himself he's a righty so he would use his right hand I would move the spoon to his left hand and hold down his right hand and kind of like force him to use his left hand to pick it up mm -hmm. it was just something just to keep him engaged keep him involved knowing like if you're that hungry you're gonna lift this <laughs> you're gonna lift one of those hands to get it and that and it was like forcing his brain or him in general just to go after the left spoon because i'm like i'm hungry i'm gonna scoop this food up uh, you know it is awkward but i'm gonna do it and he would do it he would literally go for the he would go left hand and pick up the spoon and try to feed himself and that was interesting how he really pushed himself when he wanted to do something yeah so that was perfect what you did osiris because Sometimes it's good to work both sides of the body mm -hmm. because if you're working the right side of your body, you're strengthening the left side. And if you work in the left side of your body, you're strengthening the right brain. How does that work? Because I, I know I know, I know you mentioned it before and, uh, you know, the things that would do it, Aiden, you'd watch and you'd explain. It's like it's still like not clear to me. Because, you know, I know the action, but I don't know the title or the label to what it is I'm doing with him. So basically, it just not to get into the, like, this whole neuroscience, technical neuroscience lesson is that, you know, you want to work your whole brain. 
you know, so if you're right seat, so if you you don't want to only work when you work out, you only you don't work out only one side of your body. You have to work out both. Yeah. So that you know, innately you were doing that without you knowing the science. Yeah. So what is this? I mean, there's a name for it, right? So so basically, when you have a developing brain, the brain is plastic. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's called neuroplasticity, meaning that the brain can change. It could, it's not just a fixed state. So even if you have some damage to your brain from a stroke or seizures or traumatic injury, there's an ability that you can heal from these things. Really, I you know what? It's interesting that you mentioned that because I I recall you having, I remember you were doing a conference uh, or a speaking engagement to patients who had a stroke and I recall you talking about this and I was like well how do we apply that and you said well you're rewiring the brain if you're at, you're causing the part of the brain to work in a certain way so it was kind of confusing I'm like okay what I'm trying to understand is that okay so one side of the brain is not really active so working that other active brain kind of rewires the left right or the right or whatever is not working basically it kind of like forces it to kind of rewire itself. So it kind of extends. So the live part of the brain, the rewiring goes over to the left. Or it can't, right. that can happen. Really? That was seen in some um, patients with strokes. That's that amazing. one, say the certain part of the left part of the brain is damaged. A different part of the brain will take over. And oh. sometimes that's where you see people have like complete recovery. That's amazing. Yeah. So like I knew that exercise was really important. So we always stress that with Aiden. Like we're the type of parents that have him at the playground when it's like 35 degrees. Like, yeah, we we know like he has to get out. Like, yeah, he has to work his brain. He has to keep active, keep strong because he's having seizures and because the seizures can be damaging to him. So we knew that, you know, he always had to be active. For example, uh, lately I've been doing this thing where we go on runs. Because one, one of my professors said that they did a study and they found out that running also has some neuroprotective properties, which means that just runners have um, less um Neurogenitive damage when they when they looked at runners' brains versus people who didn't run. Neurogenitive was um, I, you got to explain. I'm sorry. Just basically, I'm layman. just basically <laughs> that the brain wasn't the aging process was slow was slowed down. Oh really? Yeah, That's so it, it could protect the brain from damage. They said running. It's same thing like CBD does. It's very similar to CBD. So cannabis, yeah. so cannabis helps with the slowing down the process itself. Uh, of the brain damage, yeah. Wow, that's amazing too. So, we ate and we go on runs. He, we gave him a scooter. Tell him about the scooter thing that you did. I was, I thought that was pretty cool. That was interesting, the scooter, because as I stated before, Aiden's righty, so he would always use his right leg to push off. So that was his push off the right leg. So I, I watched him. I would record him as he started doing this and working. There was a time where he couldn't even do, he couldn't even push off at for a while. It took him some time just on the right leg because his muscles were so weak. Mm-hmm. And as time progressed, months, you know, even close to a year of him strengthening his legs and able to push on his right, I said, well, what's going on with his left? Let's yeah. try, let, let's switch it up. So I asked him, I said, Aiden, push off on your left. 
it took him a while just to even process that information that he want, needs to use his left leg. So I would have to literally put his right leg on the scooter, keep his left leg on the, on the floor, on the ground, and have him push himself. The kid couldn't do anything. He stood still. It just that for some reason there was a breakdown in the process of him using his left side. Like nothing moved. And when it did move, it was like he was just walking. He could not propel himself forward. He couldn't even get that push off like he would go to his right. We did this every day. Since I saw that, I was like, okay, this is what this is this is the game plan. You're going to work your left every day. I'm not even going to ask you about your right. Every time I see you go on your right, you're going to your left, and you're going to keep working. It. I would say literally it took him two days. I thought it was going to take him longer. It literally not took bad. him two days to figure it out and started moving. But I would say by the fourth week, he was using his, not even fourth week, I'm sorry, the fourth day. It seemed like as if his left and right were the same. They were worth in conjunction. It was literally amazing to watch him. It was amazing because I, I was like, how come I didn't think of this? And <laughs> hey, you're the PT. Yeah, you like, get paid for this stuff. I'm like, that's genius. <laughs> he just worked the other side, the other leg, so he can um, work the, the other side of the brain. So I was like, wow. And just like any skill, after a while, he got really good yeah he got he he switches it up not to be cute yeah you'll see him down the street he doesn't even he doesn't even look in the direction he's going to he'll switch it up i'm like wow okay but that came through and that's one of the things i noticed though with him is repetition he just has to go but i mean there are some families out there who have kids that are not at that stage who are still trying to get their balances like there's kids out there who are stationary i mean we talked about that especially if a child's on cbd and they're stationary who don't who may not have a fast metabolism like Aiden and those, you know, CBD all may act differently than they would in them than it would for Aiden. So the same thing would probably apply as well as for neuroplasticity in the exercising. If they're not being able physically to go out to do something, is there something they could do stationary that would keep them? Yeah, they're definitely, if they can handle it, there are definitely exercises that they can do sitting down. Mm-hmm. Not sure if it was. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of things they can do sitting down if they're able to do it repetitively. Like what? One of the things I remember someone told me is like, yeah, I would raise sugar, you know, like a pound of sugar bags or three pounds bags mm-hmm. and just raise them with one hand, switch it up. Or even someone who has surgery from carpal tunnels, they would take a can and they would just do wrist curls. They would yeah, so it was basically any, like basically you have to continue physical activity. And I know for us, a lot of people would be like, would say, wow, you do all that with your son and he has seizures? Like, yeah. And what was amazing about him, though, is that, especially, like, if he's doing homework, if he has a seizure while he's doing the assignment, you know, he'll have a seizure, get upset for a little quick because he, he hates the feeling. He, oh, my God, this kid hates the feeling. But then he'll get himself together and, like, I got to finish. It's like this this, this energy, like this tenacity, like, I have to finish. Whatever he has started, he has to finish it. And which is amazing to watch. It's like, wow, he is determined. He's a very determined um, child. I have to ask you, though, how much does that plays from neuroplasticity, the rewiring? How, how much of that plays into it? I definitely think it is huge. It's a huge difference. I think, yeah. I think because we're, I think we're fortunate that our brains aren't fixed Mm. So that every time I know that he has the ability 
to get better. And then it gives us like a sense of hope. And yeah, he, he picks up quick on things. You know, it takes some time, but he like, once he gets it, it's like he's hooked on it. I noticed that with like games online, you know, certain things, you know, he grabs the phone. If he, I remember the time he couldn't even repeat numbers. Now he's repeating numbers. Now he knows like our passcodes to our cell phones. Yeah, so you like it's nice. It's nice to see when you it's literally scary see if you it. got your credit card on that phone. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice to see um, when your child's healing. Yeah, it it is. It is great because especially when you start at the beginning thinking like, what's gonna happen? What's gonna become of him? And then you see these changes, and you're like, okay, we're on the right track. We just got to keep pushing him, keep moving forward, feeding him the right foods, giving him exercise. You know. Eating, drinking, water, you know, all those things that he needs for his body to develop, especially the brain is so fragile. It is fragile, but yet strong because it could take the trauma mm-hmm. and still recover. And I've seen that. Yeah, I remember you told me a story about your, that one patient who couldn't walk. And after you were done with him, he was walking and he was like in marathons. I was like, whoa. Yeah. So I've seen some amazing recoveries from brain injuries, mm. you know, pa- patients that couldn't even sit up without two people holding them up, you know, leave the rehab gym. They leave the the unit walking. That shows that our brain has the potential to recover from a lot of trauma. So it never give up on your kids. No, I don't think any parent wants to give up on a child. You know, don't think that, oh, this is it. You know, there's always some room for improvement. Oh, always. It's, I think it's more up to, to the parent. It really is. It, you know what? It's not, I think. I know it's up to the parent because your child's dependent on you. You got to set the table, the standards or situation for where you can help your child develop. And it's hard, especially when you got to work, you got financials, you got the relationship, you got all these things. But if everything around you is about that child's development, it will come together. And it's like, you put that game plan, you know, if you have family and friends that come over, like, Hey, spend some time with my child, you know, help them, you know, develop. it's like for our family, I tell my my brothers and sisters that, hey, when you guys come over, I want you to spend time with my son. But at the same time, I want you to teach him something different. Not just it's not that he just sees us all the time. that He gets something from his aunt and uncles and his godfather and his godmother. You know, he gets a different experience and then he could add that to his repertoire in the sense of his development. That helps. I mean, it, like they say, it takes a community to build a child. And, and it comes from this situation like this as well. Yeah, definitely. It just got to keep working mm-hmm. with your child and try to figure out how they learn. I think that's also was a Oh, yes. Yeah, we didn't thing. know where he was and, mm-hmm. and then take him to the next level. Yeah. That's so important. But that comes from spending time with your child, too. Watching them, observing, giving them certain situations to be in. You know, given things. I remember one time when Aiden, I wasn't too sure if he could crawl out of, not crawl, but to get out of a crib. Because, you know, you watch YouTube channels, you see kids escape from their crib. And I would watch Aiden try to get out. And I'm like, okay, I got to help him do it the right way. So I would literally teach him how to get his right leg over, then his legs, leg follow, his hands hold on to one part of the, you know, the upper part of the bed and then have him slide down. Couple times he did escape on his own, <laughs> didn't turn out right. <laughs> you know, you hear him screaming in the background, coming out of the hallway. Hey, I fell on the bed and nobody came out. But I think with kids, it's you know, just basically the children that they need that support 
they need that training. You know, you you have to look at your child as an athlete preparing for their their profession or their sport, and you help them exercise. You develop a game plan, right? Definitely. You would schedule it too. Like you can't just be all exercise. I mean, there's learning process and exercise, but there's also the parts of the reading, the writing. Even if the child is like, just have them hold certain things because I think you know it goes along the line of you know occupational therapy. You you use your hands, your fingers, and your motor skills in dealing with that. Yeah. So Aiden, I we figured out that Aiden needed a lot of repetition. Yeah. A lot. I mean, a lot of repetition. So we taught him his. All his letters, all his sounds, which is like basically it's all we did the, all day. Man, we would have that YouTube on. YouTube. We listened to YouTube for so long just to we watch. We figured out how he learned, so I started teaching him the letter sounds through movement. I figured out oh, that was excellent. That movement. Some kids with special needs they learn through movement. So Aiden's one of those. So I taught him letter sounds by um, pairing a letter with a motion. If you guys are not sure what that is, just look it up on YouTube. Everything's there. Everything's on YouTube. <laughs> and I, one thing, another reason why I knew that exercise is really important is that one time we were at the park and Aiden said a sentence while moving. So I realized there's a connection between the brain and our physical abilities. So I noticed that kids tend to say a lot of their first words by walking, when they're walking. Oh, really? Oh. Um, Aiden was more vocal when he was at the, when he was moving and he was at the park. You know, one of the things I started doing with him was as he walked down the stairs, I would count. I would have That's him count perfect. this. I would so have him count one step. And, and it, yep. Yeah, what step are you on? One, two, three, mm-hmm. as we go all the way down up to 40. And then do the same coming up. And then times I would change it where I would count up the first 10 steps and then start it again. Or then I would just count all the way through. And he remembers that. Now he starts to do it on his own. I don't even have to say anything. He starts counting on his own, which is amazing, too. Gotcha. I think every parent, I mean, every, what's it say? Every opportunity is a learning moment. Basically. And so you transition that into your personal life. You know, your child, like, if you're in a room with your child and they haven't spoken, you just point out certain things. Oh, this is a cabinet. This is a glass. It's a refrigerator. This is a floor. You know, those things, you know. One of the things that we did was put, um, what is it? Just basically sheets of paper lining out what it was. So oh, label. We label stuff. We label it. I apologize. We labeled everything. So the door, the kitchen, the bathroom, the sink, the mirror, the window, the shades. So every time he looked up, he saw something and we would mention, oh, you're looking at the shade. You're looking at the floor. This is a TV. All those things. This is a phone. So, and then we repeat it constantly. So, when he started actually speaking, he would know what they were. Yeah. So, a lot, I mean, you're responsible for your child. Even yeah. though Aiden got therapy, you know, and he has a teacher, we don't depend on anyone else to yeah. educate our child. Not at all. Cause, because there's only like, what, 30 minutes a session? Yeah. I mean, he's in school the whole day, too. But at the same time, I don't depend on the teachers. No. I do. It's all he, us. It's on us. Yeah, because he spends most of his time with us, actually. So you can't, you always have to do your, don't depend on the therapist. You have to do your own research. 
research and also doing the and, and helping them yeah so it, you, they can go to school they have their therapy but also you have to have the time where they're learning from their mom or dad grandma like you said uncles aunts it's a family affair it has to be like a family affair especially if you have a uh, babysitter have the babysitter get involved as well if you get in therapy at home you know set something together uh, pretty much like a schedule like this is the things we expect these are the things I need to have done these things I want to do and will follow up because it's so important every day. You just, every minute, every second is so important. And so you can imagine what every day is like, it, it can be, it can be, and will be a lot, but the end result is something amazing when you see them wake up and you're like, wow. And you know, you're going to just basically stay to yourself. Like all the hard work is starting to pay off. So, Osiris, I have a question for you. Really? Oh, uh, boy. Here we go. <laughs> so, are we done? Is that what you're saying right now? Because you go right into the question. <laughs> you were also going through your own health issues simultaneously when Aiden was going through his peak of seizures. Peak? Uh, I would say basically. So Two to three days after I came out of the hospital? Yeah. So... We never really discussed that. I don't think it's something that we wanted to talk about. I, I don't think we were ready to talk about it. Was it was a lot. It was a lot. And that and it started before he was diagnosed with his epilepsy. So this was something that was going on for about at least four months leading up. Four to five months leading up. Yeah, so December, January going into that year. So do you want to kind of do a Q&A with me next episode? Just to get... A feeling, just to know what you were going through at the time. So we're going to do this here. You never asked me, so you want to do this? Next episode. You want to do this? Yeah, why not? You want to know the truth? I guess so. You can't handle the truth. (laughs) (laughs) We'll find out. Okay. I'm excited. Really? Well, Um, not. I shouldn't say excited. But yeah, I was like, I don't think I would use that word. um, Curious. (laughs) (laughs) More like nervous. Yeah, nervous. <laughs> Your nervous laugh there. Uh, yeah, that was a it, there was a lot going on that I was even aware of. But yeah, so I will share with I will share with you um, the things that was going on there because uh, it was it, I would have to say it was scary to say the least. It was scary. Yeah, take a deep breath. You're gonna probably need to get that pen ready because <laughs> it's gonna be a lot to take in. All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening in for another episode. Um, we want to uh, basically say we look forward to hearing you guys from you guys. And we look forward to getting any responses, positive, negative, whatever the case may be, or even topics that you guys think that we should talk about. But we love the feedback. We love the connection. And we hope that we're helping people out there as well, just to give them some insight to what they're going through and let them know that you're not alone. Not alone. It's 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 a wee thing at this point. We all going through it. All right. So everyone, take care. Ciao. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Love, Love and, and Cannabis. Cannabis. I'm Nina. I'm Osiris. And we're the proud parents of Aiden. Be strong and stay empowered. Thanks.
for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hey friends, I'm Brandon and I'm Saba and we are your host of the Cannabis Hangout podcast, an educational platform to connect with the cannabis community and share personal stories while breaking the stigma of marijuana. Join us every Sunday at 7 p.m. to gain valuable insight with different perspectives from industry leaders, growers, and medical marijuana patients. This is a place to learn so much from different angles in the cannabis industry. So tune in while we break it all down. down.